Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter, chapter number 1. And then also the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. 2 Peter, chapter number 1. And then also we're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. We're going to start 1 Peter, chapter 1 here in just a moment. Uh, if, if it's the Lord's will, we'll get back next Sunday morning on the life of Abraham. Uh, I appreciate what God is doing in our church. I um, appreciate the leadership of the, of the Holy Spirit and guiding us and encouraging us to uh, read the Bible. Again, if uh, you maybe wasn't here last Sunday morning, uh, I'm encouraging all of us to read our Bibles, uh, to read it through. Back there on the table in the vestibule, there's still some copies there. Um, it's a 52-week Bible reading plan. Um, so if you started last Sunday, you've already made it a week. And praise the Lord for that. The week came whether we uh, read the Bible or not. So we might as well redeem the time and read it through the week. Amen. So I, I do want to encourage you to do that. Um, if you don't like this Bible reading plan, there's other ones, but I absolutely want to encourage you to read the Bible. I want, I want you all to be one of those people that can say that I've read the Bible through, and I hope that's the desire of your heart, that you can say, I've read the Bible through, and what a blessing that is, what a work of God that is that uh, in your heart that you can accomplish for Him. You can do it as an act of worship, you can do it as an act of devotion, but also it is good for us and profitable for us to read the Bible. It absolutely is. Uh, if somebody came to me and said, uh, as asking some advice from a pastor, and they said, uh, what do I need to do? What could help my life? What could, uh, I don't have joy. I don't feel like I have purpose. I don't have meaning. And I would say, number one, I'd say, do you read the Bible? You need to read the Bible. And so this is also pastoral advice. Read your Bible and watch what God does in your soul. So I, I, they're back there in the vestibule. I do want to encourage you to do it. Uh, it starts on Sunday, so this week could be your week number one. So if you started today, if you follow this plan, you could still say you read the Bible in a year. And I want to encourage you to do it. It's going to take some self-denial, especially, let's see here. Uh, two days are a little bit more reading. Let's see. It's... Uh, think Tuesday, there might be four chapters, and then on Friday, there were six chapters this week, but most of the time it's just two. So if you know that day's coming up, like on Wednesday, it's just like two chapters of Psalms, two chapters of, uh, of yeah, that's it, two chapters of Psalms all, all year long, if you read it through in a year. So you can, uh, if, it's, if it's too much, if you think Friday is overwhelming, then uh, you could add a couple chapters on the Wednesday. So if you want to do it, you can do it. That's what I'm saying. And you could carve out 20 minutes from social media time, really, a day. You could do it. Easy. Easy. 20 minutes a day. That's the longest day. 20, 30 minutes at the longest on the, on the Friday day. So I think it's a good exchange. Take out 30 minutes of social media phone time for the Word of God. And you can read the Bible through in a year. Young people, I want to tell you something. 
it's so important to practice self-denial. And what that means is, is telling yourself no. Even on things that aren't necessarily sinful, you get control of yourself. Uh, Paul the Apostle said that the one who striveth to win the prize, he's tempered in all things. Like an athlete tells himself no, his body no, for ease and comfort, so he can win the championship. And so especially you, if you start practicing self-denial, that's telling yourself no, doing things like this becomes far more easier in your life because you have put your body, your flesh, and what is that? That's when, here's what the flesh is. You think, I'm going to read my Bible, but your flesh says no. And it is an act of God, isn't it, to break that cycle. You start practicing self-denial. You tell yourself no. You do hard things on purpose. You say no to the world on purpose, and you follow Jesus on purpose. Even little things, minor things, say no to less TV. Say, I'm going to watch less TV, or I'm going to have less social media time and less cell phone time. Tell yourself no, and you'll begin to have the self-discipline to do things for God at a higher level, a higher rate than you do right now. So especially young people, learn self-denial. That means telling yourself no. And that is, that is, a, it is one of the... It is one of the, I believe, as Jesus says, the requirements to follow him. If any man seek to come after me, let him first deny himself. So I want to encourage you, practice self-denial, and Bible reading will become a whole lot easier in your life. Amen? All right, the book of 2 Peter, chapter number 1. A friend of mine this morning asked me what I'm preaching on, what I'm preaching on today, and I wasn't trying to be smart aleck. I said, I'm preaching on the Bible. <laughs> you say, you do that every, day, every Sunday. No, this Sunday I really am preaching this morning about the Bible. And so I'm going to preach this morning about the Bible. Because I think God is trying to lead us to cherish the Bible and to make it a practice of our lives to read the Bible. Last Sunday night, before we get started... I stood up to preach, it was Lord's Supper night, and I, I just felt moved of God uh, and pour out my heart to you about we need a need in our church, and I use the word religion. Now, and I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we need to work our way to get to know God. When I say religion, we need a, a revival of religion. What I mean by that is, is that we need a revival of our hearts devoted to God that God becomes more important than anything in our lives. And that everything that God teaches, and that everything that God commands, and everything that God desires for our lives becomes our top priority because our hearts are devoted to God. Now the only way, and I believe that could happen, is if we're going to be a religious people, and I mean the religion of Jesus Christ, our hearts devoted to Christ by faith, then we need to... We need to grow, our heart needs to grow to appreciate our sacred text. And our sacred text is the Word of God. If we're going to be a devoted people, we've got to have a sacred text. And our sacred book is the Holy Bible. And I want your hearts to be devoted to the Bible that you cherish the Bible, that you, you consider the Bible your most sacred possession. 
And you have sanctified the Bible in your hearts and in your minds. That this is how you know God. This is how God reveals Himself to you, and it is. And this is how we, we grow as Christian people. This is how we become what God wants us to be. We need to become, we need to become students of the Bible and appreciate the Bible and a church that cherishes the Bible. Now, we can have sentimental views towards the Bible, but unless we read the Bible and practice what the Bible teaches and believe, most of all, what the Bible says, then our views are merely that. They are only sentimental. We just appreciate the book. But we can't say honestly that we appreciate the book and love the book, and revere the book, and sanctify the book in our hearts and minds until we have come to an appreciation that we will read it, and believe it, and follow it. Now many hearts will say, well I love the Bible, but do we, do we read the Bible? Do we believe the Bible? Do we cherish the Word of God? Or is it merely just a sentimental emotion? Is this merely an ornament of our religion? Is it just something that's a symbol of who we are? It should be what we are. This Bible is our sacred text. And without the Bible, we have no faith in God, no faith in Christ. We have no gospel. I hope and pray that God would impress upon your hearts the value of the Bible. And you'll read the Bible. And this will be the year that you can say, I've read my Bible through, and I pray to God you do it. Amen? I pray you do it. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, if you're there, say amen. This is about the Bible. <laughs> verse 21, the Bible says this about the Bible. The Word says this about the Word. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, by the will of man, so the, the Bible did not come by the will and the desires of man. Most prophets were reluctant to prophesy, disproving God's influence over it. Think of Moses. Think of, think of these men when God would move upon them and He would press His word upon them. And they were reluctant to do it. And this is proving God's influence over their lives. So, for the prophecy, the Bible, came not in old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God, spake as they were moved. The word moved there, it means, it means to, to be born, or it to be thrust upon you, to be carried by what? To be moved by the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. So these... The Bible came not by the desire of man, not by the choice of Moses or Joshua, but the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They were, they were carried away by the Holy Spirit. They were moved along. They were influenced by God. And that's how these men, God moved upon them, and the prophecy came through the Holy Ghost of God. Now in the book of 2 Timothy, we'll spend most of our time this morning. Chapter number 3, verse 16. So make a note of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. And this is how we got the Bible. Young people, this is an important, 
doctrinal passage in the Bible. This is how we as Christian people believe that the Bible is the Word of God. This is where we get this teaching from, that the Bible was, is, was, was spoken and moved by the Holy Ghost. It is God-inspired. It is Holy Spirit-influenced. That is what is setting on your laps, in your hands, is the, is the influence of the Holy Ghost of God, and it created and formed your Bible that you have here this morning. You're holding, literally, visibly, the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what you're holding in your hands. So that's an important passage. So young people, you want to build what your belief system is. The Bible teaches that the Bible is not the will of man, but the Bible is the will of the Holy Ghost. Where is that? Make a note maybe in the white pages of your Bible. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. But now we move to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And look at verse number 16. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 16. Here it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, let's attach this passage in Peter. What is the inspiration of God? That holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. How? God's Holy Spirit inspired. He carried them away. He moved them along. They were born moved of the Holy Ghost. So 2 Timothy, again, chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable. It means it's good, it's important, it's effective, it's powerful, it's able... It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now let's add verse 17 because it's applicable. That the man of God may be perfect, that he may become mature, that he may grow, that he become a man of God thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That the Bible is all that he needs to become equipped unto all good works. So verse 17 means that the Scriptures who are in, which is inspired by God is powerful enough to affect a person's life in verse number 17. You've heard me say this a lot. The Bible will change your life. The Bible will change your life. Later I found out the Bible says that. I experienced the Bible change in my life, and then I find out in the Bible that the Bible says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And they realize, wow, the Bible changes my life, and then the Bible says it'll change your life. All of us would say, I want to be closer to God. Then read your Bibles. I want to grow in my Christian faith. Listen to me. It will not happen until you go to the Bible. It will not happen. Now what does this mean? Before we get to verse 17, 16 more closely, here's what we can conclude from all scriptures inspired of God, that holy men of God spake as they were moved of the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? It, since scripture is God 
breathed, that's what inspiration of God means in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture is God-breathed. That's what it means. That God's Holy Spirit spoke. Since Scripture is from God, this means that Scripture, your Bible, is divine. And since your Bible is divine, because the sovereign God spoke the Bible into existence, it is divine. And that means then that your Bible, since it's of God, and this is necessary, fundamental to be a Christian, I'll go so far as to say this, that if any person says they're a Christian and they do not believe the Bible is the 100% Word of God, that person is not a Christian. Because the Bible is the Word of God. So since the Bible is breathed of God... The sovereign God, it makes the Bible in your hands, it makes it divine, doesn't it? It means that Scripture is divine. And then it also would mean this, since God, which cannot lie, it means that your Scripture, the Bible, the Scriptures are without error. It means they have no flaws in them. It means there are no contradictions within them. It means there are, there are no half-truths. That it's all of God, it's divine, and it's inerrant. It means it is without error. It is perfect. Your Bible is absolutely, perfectly inspired by God. Now many skeptics would say, well, what about this? Or what about translations? Or what about this? You might be interested to know that the New Testament, there's 1st and 2nd century documents that are the same as your New Testament you have in your lap today. The Old Testament written in Hebrew, the New Testament written in Greek, some parts of it Aramaic, that all of these documents can be traced historically to the accuracy of the old ancient text. And if anyone here even this morning is still doubtful, and if you're not an honest seeker, then you're a dishonest doubter that you're holding a belief of doubt without doing the investigation necessary to justify the doubt in your mind. And so many people are just merely lazy. And to get out of the, the authority of God and the divine nature of Scripture, they just suppose upon themselves some umbrella of doubt that protects them from any responsibility to seeking and searching whether this doubt that they have about something so grand and marvelous is even true. And so if... If you are a skeptic and you're not searching and you just hold this position without any substance at all, you are a liar. You, you stand upon nothing. You're holding a position, an eternal significant position without any evidence at all. So, and I could, I'm provoking you. I'm trying to provoke you. I'm trying to stir you and provoke you to seek and find whether these things be true. I want you to find out if the Bible is the Word of God or not. I want you to do it. I'm confident in Scripture. But you'll be like all the rest of the skeptics throughout the 4,000 something years one man said the Bible is like an anvil and people beat on it and hit on it and, and try to smash it and crush it and they get big hammers and huge hammers but the anvil is harder than the, than the hammers and there's a pile of hammers but the old anvil is still there. And here comes the young skeptic along. Well, I don't know about that. Then I would not at all 
have the thought without looking into it. It's, it's, it's intellectually dishonest to hold a position of skepticism without any evidence to the contrary. So the Bible's God-breathed. It means it's inspired by God. It means it's, it's written by God. It is, as we say, the Word of God. You know why many of your Bibles have Holy Bible in the title? Because it is divine. Your Bible is divine. Your Bible is a visible, readable connection to God who created everything. You can see the work of God who is invisible and you can hold it in your hands. This is our sacred text because it is sacred. So the Bible is breathed of God. That means Scripture is divine. It also means the Scripture is authoritative because God is sovereign and God is the judge of all the earth. And if Scripture is divine, which it is, Scripture then becomes, since it's written of God, Scripture becomes authoritative, doesn't it? It alone, then, is the absolute authority over our lives. The Bible is the absolute authority over our lives. I want to say it again. <laughs> the Bible... Therefore becomes, now many won't, we won't submit unto this authority, and many won't recognize this authority. But if you believe that the Bible is divine because it's been breathed by God, men, holy men of God, spake as they were moved, carried away, to be born, to be carried up by the Holy Ghost, that all Scripture is breathed of God, is inspired of God, it becomes divine. And if it is the Word of God, then Scripture then becomes authoritative. That the Bible then becomes default, without question, without argument. The sole authority over our lives. The Bible becomes the authority then. The Bible becomes the absolute truth. The Bible becomes the, the, the North Star. The Bible becomes the center of our being. The Bible then is absolutely the authority over our lives. Now, the question is, and we need to answer that, don't we? You and I have to answer that. Is the Word of God the absolute authority over my life? That's what we have to deal with now. See, this is all information until we personalize it to ourselves does the Bible, is the Bible the authority over our lives? Now let, let the Holy Spirit convict us, because it's amazing, because one of the words for reproof in verse 16 means conviction. Then this should bring us to a place, this, this subject alone, that the Bible is divine and the Bible is the sole authority over our lives, this should bring us to a place of conviction about how we view the Bible. How do we read the Bible? And more importantly, do we do what the Bible says? And if we are not doing what the Bible teaches and we don't believe what the Bible says, we are calling God a liar and we're walking in disobedience contrary to the divine authority over our lives. Why? Because the Bible's divine. 
And then since it's divine, it's the sole authority over our lives. It's amazing. Don't think this is, this, where this is placed in the book of Timothy is by accident because if we went to the fourth chapter, chapter number four, verse number four of 2 Timothy, Paul says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They'll view Scripture as rubbish. It'll lose its divine appeal to them. It'll lose its supposed authority over their lives. But they forget that forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. And Jesus said that not one jot nor one tittle will pass away, and all of it will be fulfilled in, in heaven. The psalmist said, Thy Word, O God, is exalted above Your own name. And it's no wonder people don't know what to do or how to live or how to behave because they've forgotten that the divine authority over their lives is like a lamp unto their feet and like a light unto their path. And it's no wonder men and women no longer know what to do. It's no wonder. And many of them sit in churches today will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust. Shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears? They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Why? It's because they've turned their heart away from the divine authority of God. Scripture is God-breathed, inspiration of God. So not only then is since Scripture is God-breathed, it's given by inspiration of God, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. Not only is it divine, not only is it the absolute authority, the final authority of all of human history, mind you, then Scripture is then also God's revelation. That God is trying to tell us something. That God is trying to reveal something to us. God wants us to see something. Why would God write a book? He published it. Why would God spend over 2,500 years writing a book that's interesting? All of it flows. All of it's connected. Written by different men of different backgrounds. Some poor as dirt. Some owns all the dirt. Some were murderers. Some were blasphemers. Some were adulterers. But still yet, thy word is pure. Why would God do this? Why would God write a book? First of all, let's appreciate that God did. God wrote a book. And He wrote it for us. Amen. The Bible that you have, and Lord willing, you have it, is God revealing Himself to you. The Bible that often is neglected is God's means to speak. It's God's means to, to reveal and to show who He is. The Bible is the final authority on who God is. The Bible is the final authority on what Christianity is. The Bible is the final authority on who you are, what you are, what will become of you. How you can escape God's wrath and experience God's love. God is trying to reveal Himself. 
God is speaking. In these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Who is His Son, though? Remember a few weeks ago, Emmanuel, God with us. Some would say, I wish God would be with me today. Emmanuel is God with us. And in the beginning was the what? The Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. Now John uses an interesting Greek word there to describe word. It means logos. John uses the word logos. The Greeks understand logos as, as the divine revelation, as the divine knowledge. So Jesus then is the divine revelation of God. God wrote the Bible so He might reveal Himself to you. And the Bible is a revelation of who God is. And Jesus says, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. And the Word became flesh, Logos, divine revelation became flesh and dwelt among us. In John chapter 1, verse number 4, the Bible describes this about the Word. In Him was life. In who? The Word. In Him, in Jesus, was life. Jesus is life. Jesus is the divine revelation of God. He is the reason behind all things. That's what Jesus is. What is the Bible then? It is God's Word that reveals the reason behind all things. Don't you want to know who you are? Don't you want to know what's going to happen? Don't you want to know what it could be? Don't you want to know what God could do with your life? Don't you want meaning and purpose and a reason? Don't you want to know the big why? I do, don't you? God's Word is His revelation to us. The divine reason behind all things. In John 1, 4, in Him was life. And the life, look closely, was the light of men. So the Word, Logos, the divine reason behind all things, is the light of men. What that means is that the Word is the intellectual, spiritual, and moral life of mankind. The Bible, therefore, the Logos that became flesh, the divine reason behind all things, the light of men is Jesus, who is the revelation of the intellectual, spiritual, and moral life of man in his heart and his mind. It is therefore no wonder people are lost. It's no wonder they don't know where to turn. It's no wonder people don't know what to do. It's no wonder probably someone in this building, your life is falling apart. It's no wonder that people struggle. It's no wonder... They've turned their ears away from the truth. 
Jesus is to be the light of men. He is to be the intellectual, spiritual, and moral life of you. He is to be your reason why. He is to be the reason you exist. He is to be your purpose. And everybody in here is looking for that. To try to find the answers to life. The meaning behind it all. The reason to the greatest question of our minds is why. You'll only find the answer in Scripture. You'll only find the reason why there. You'll only have a lamp for your feet in the Bible. You'll only have a light to guide your path from Scripture. And what is it again? I'm closing. Maybe we'll finish the next half Sunday morning, next Sunday morning, if God will permit us. There's a whole other half of the sermon. I remember when I first started preaching, Jason, I used to think, I want to have enough to say. And it went away so fast. <laughs> but now I'm realizing I'm always dealing with not having enough time. I'm 41 now. I'm running out of time. It won't be long. Somebody must have shared or liked a, a video from Brother Bunny on Fightbook, Facebook. We need the Bible on Facebook. Amen? And I watched Bunny preach. And I thought, his life, he ran his race. He preached it all while he had the time to do it. And one day that'll be said about me and you. One day it'll be said about us. We're running out of time. We're running out of time. Now I feel like I don't have enough time to preach. I wish our hearts... Now, nobody come up to me after me and say, well, you just preach as long as you want to, really. <sighs> as long as I want to. I know we have lives to live. I know we have places to go. I know that our attention span is small. But can I say a word for a moment about why? Because we are searching for meaning and joy, gratification constantly. And we go so quick from place to place and we're hurrying along that we can't just stop and rest. Amen. We've lost our appreciation for the divine. We've lost the idea of something being sacred. That there's something more important. There's something more valuable than the hustle and bustle and stress and anxiety of life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Our souls are starving. Our minds are busy. We never rest and be still and know that He is God. So how can I approach God? Jesus said, Lo, I come in the volume of a book. It is written of me. 
Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have everlasting life, but they are they which testify of me. The Bible is God's revelation of His Son, Jesus Christ. And in Him is the light of men. In Him is what you've been looking for. Where do I find Him? Search the Scriptures, for they are they which testify of me. Many of us want some out-of-world experience while the Bible is sitting in our car. We want a vision. We want to see an angel. We want to have an experience and be awakened from sleep and have a dream while the Bible is left untouched. We want some thrilling emotion. We want to be moved. We want to have chicken skin. We want to shout and run and jump and leap. We want to thrill. But the Bible is unopened. We want to know the love of God, but we don't read of it. We want to be able to forgive and understand and have meaning and purpose and a reason, but we do not search and find it. We want to have a life that makes sense, but we go our own way. We, we have done what Paul wrote Timothy, that we have turned our hearts and ears unto fables. And there is the divine, sovereign Word of the living God, which is the sole authority over our lives. Amen. And it is God's revelation of Himself to us. And the Logos, the divine reason for all things, what John says, is the light of men. But yet we walk in darkness. And we've never owned so many Bibles. God help us to turn to Scripture. Some of us are dealing with people problems, Scripture. Dealing with marital problems, Scripture. Dealing with uh, finding the purpose of living, Scripture, you'll find your answer. Now listen, don't read it once and say, I knew I wouldn't find it. No, this should be your life. Read it over and over again. And what will happen as we get a song that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. His life will change. His life will change. I hope and pray that we won't be moved from guilt. What's the saying? If you move a man against his opinion, if you shame him, still have that opinion he'll just be living out of guilt I don't want us to read scripture because of guilt I don't want us to turn to the Bible because of shame turn to the word of God because it is the inspired God breathed revelation of himself to you out of love for God there should be a love for scripture out of love for God, there should be a love for His Word. I hope and pray you do it because of faith. A belief that I'm going to read my Bible because I believe it is the Word of God. Back to the beginning, it is our sacred text. We need a revival of religion that we 
supremely cherish, read, obey, and most of all believe the sacred text of our faith. Let's stand to our feet. Maybe you'd like to come and pray and ask God to, by His Spirit, and He will, listen, listen to me, the Bible says that if you ask anything according to His will, He'll give it to you. If you pray and ask God to give you a desire to empower your life by the Holy Spirit, and you say, honestly, God, I want to read your Bible. I want to be a Bible woman. I want to be a Bible man. If you sincerely desire that, He said in His Word that if you ask anything according to His will, and we oftentimes want to find the will of God for our lives, don't we? It is God's will that you read the Scriptures. If you pray that and you seek it, you'll find a renewed power, desire to read the Bible. God, I pray before we sing that we will come to you in honest terms. Lord, our hearts will be honest with you. Lord, there are, there are many hurting hearts here, dry hearts, bored hearts, distracted hearts. Lord, we need to turn to Scripture. We need the light of men, which is you, to be in our hearts. You need to be the source of our intellectual, spiritual, and moral life. You need to be our life. It's no wonder, Jesus, you are Logos, the divine revelation, that you said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And Lord, I pray that we can experience this life, this power, by the revelation of yourself in our hearts, that our faith would increase through your word. God, I pray we'll come to the conviction that Scripture is divine, Scripture is the sole authority over human life and human history, and Scripture is the divine revelation of God to us. Lord, I pray we will sanctify the Word of God in our hearts, that we will not sin against you. God, help us to come in faith. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.